Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 51 of the Adventure Game Podcast. Yes, this is not Sersha, but this is Thomas opening the podcast for a change uh, because uh, Sersha is running a wee bit late, but that's okay. We're going to take over until he gets here. And as always, I am also joined by our fabulous Laura. How are you, Laura? I'm good. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for that very professional introduction. I think better than than, um, the normal introduction, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's easy to say now that he's not here, you know. It's yeah, easy comparison. But we'll hear his uh, smooth Irish uh, tones uh, a wee bit later once he is uh, ready to join us. We are going to start off by... Thanking our Patreon supporters. And you look us up on the Adventure Podcast, and then you can pledge an amount that will ensure that you get access to very exclusive content. You also help us keep the podcast going. Pledge a small amount or a large amount, but you help us keep the podcast going. And we really, really appreciate it. And uh, all our uh, current patrons, thank you very much. Uh, we hope that uh, we will get a few new patrons, but Obviously, we appreciate all our listeners to this podcast. So having said that, you mentioned something right before we started about Aggies. Could you maybe explain what that is, Laura? And yes. why it's important. Uh, yeah, so it's basically, uh, I also write for adventuregamers.com, which if you're into adventure games, you hopefully know about. But it's a, a website which covers reviews, previews, events all around uh, adventure games, all your adventure game news. And every year they do an Aggie Award, which is basically their equivalent. It's like the Adventure Game Oscars, basically. Um, and it's uh, it, they, there's lots of awards up for grabs. Uh, just from that year so there's obviously best adventure game of the year but there's also things like best sound effects best music best character best story uh, you can find out all um that there's a reader's choice as well so whilst the adventure game writers choose their options the um readers get to choo- uh, vote for theirs as well sometimes they vote the same as the writers sometimes differently um would you like i can give a quick thing about who got adventure game of the year if you wanted this year yeah yeah yeah, go ahead. Um, so this this year for um, the Aggies for 2019, um, it was uh, it was um, it was an interesting one actually um, because uh, normally there's like a bit of disparity, but basically Whispers of a Machine did very well. Uh, it got lots of awards and deservedly so. Yeah, I, I think that was, and I, I was surprised Disco Elysium got in there a bit, but I wonder if that's because it's not, you know, quite as traditional a uh, um, adventure game. Yeah, so I think well, that, they, although there there are awards for traditional and non traditional as well, you know, yeah. kind of it's it's more highlighting more like the an match. RPG, right? Disco Elysium. I, I, yeah, I it is. It, yeah, yeah. I describe Disco Elysium as a point and click adventure disguised as an isometric RPG, and I think that that sums it up pretty well. It's a great enough. game, though. And how did my favorite Heaven's Fall do? Um, yes, <laughs> about that. I yeah, it didn't really. It was gotten no. a few nominations for things. It didn't get it didn't get an award, but it did get a special mention. So it's kind of it's kind of like the Oscars, and even more so that the Oscars are most of the time do not give the best picture the actual best picture except yeah, this year. I guess you could say that. I guess no, you could without, say that. Without kidding, it's obviously that uh, the winners are well-deserving, and um, we were just blessed with so many great games last year. So I think this is it. It's interesting what did win Best Adventure. So I, uh, I should have said uh, Best Traditional Adventure went to uh, Whispers of Machine. Um, but for the writers, um, the Best Adventure of 2019 went to the, the game Outer Wilds, which I, I don't know if any of you have played. Um, I've not played that, no, but I've heard very good things about yeah. it. Yeah, I've got it on the PlayStation. I, I 
I've played a little bit, but I haven't really gotten properly into it. And I think it is a game that you have to really get into. Uh, Readers, though, Reader's Choice was Whispers of a Machine. So obviously a very popular one. That and Gibbous actually did very well. Both those games did very well throughout the awards. So clearly popular choices for 2019. Good. Yeah, and, and speaking of very good stories and Heaven's Fall, because the writer of Heaven's Fall, John Ingold, he also wrote Over the Alps. And Over the Alps yes. has now gotten a release date on Steam. And that is very close, March 31st. So I just uh, made sure that it's on my wish list so I know when that game is it's going to drop. Uh, you have played it, right? Or you played a version of it? Yes. I played, well, it will, I'm assuming it'll be the same version. Yeah, I played it, the version on Apple Arcade. Um, and I'm very glad that it is coming out to Steam so more people get to play it because um, it was a really great game. As you said, it's it's won awards for uh, its writing. Um, John Ingold has um, and the other uh, parts of the writing team have won an award. I'll very quickly explain. It's it's a little bit like uh, 80 Days, but set during the sort of outbreak of World War Two. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's similar to 80 Days, if you've ever played that game, that Inkle game, in terms of like narrative choices. Um, and it sees you travel through Switzerland, basically, just before the outbreak of the war. And that's all I'll, I'll if you want to hear in a previous one, I, I went into a bit more details. But yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see it come out on Steam and hope it gets a, a bigger audience as well. Yeah, I, I got a bit of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel vibes looking at yep, the... Yeah, that's uh, very much the yeah, case, yeah. yeah. The Which team have uh, said that as well. Yeah. Hello. What have I missed? Are you guys starting without me? <laughs> Should I be concerned? Or is it better no, that I'm not here? <laughs> nice of you oh. to join us. Yes, yes. For your no, podcast. For that. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, for you're, podcast. You're, you're right. I love that me. we're making out that it's your fault, but actually the, the, the technical problems have been me completely. Um, but um, we'll continue pretending well, it's yours. I, I was just delayed now, but I am back. I am here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and you're right on time to tell us about Backbone. Yeah, yes. first of all, about, believe we're talking about Over the Alps, I also did an interview with the developers of Over the Alps, and I will look to put that interview up, hopefully around as close as possible to the release date of the game, uh, around March 31st, hopefully around then, Friday around then, uh, so people can hear in more detail about it from the developers. Who There are no spoilers in the interview, but the developers... <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted to talk about it. <laughs> they really <laughs> wanted to talk about the game. But, that's good. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so that's Over the Alps. Two other games that are coming out, Backbone and Cloud Ion. They both have publishers. Backbone, uh, the publisher is going to be Raw Fury, which of course are the publishers of Whispers of a Machine, which... I uh, believe you were talking about uh, in the Aggie yes. Award, um, which... And uh, uh, Mosaic as well, which is another yes. adventure game, which is cool. Yes. Up. Now, with Backbone, they made an announcement on Twitter and through the Kickstarter fans and on Discord as well. Now, they said that they are still, of course, doing the, you know, Kickstarter going to still provide updates and that Raw Fury, they're just going to help them. They're not getting involved in the creative process. They're just going mm. to help them... You know, give them funding and then the publishing side of it and the um, helping uh, move the game, forget the, the exact word, moving the game, porting the game, thank you, that's yes. myself, to different uh, consoles and to, you know, iOS and phones and tablets and that. So they're going to work on that side. And similarly with Cloud Ion as well, it's going to come out, that game is going to come out sometime in 2020, while Backbone is now going to come out sometime in 2021. So... Very good news on both counts. Mm. Um, yes. And what else? And then, uh, well, Gabriel Knight 4 Petition, which we have mentioned before, and I did an interview with one of the organizers, Sean Parker. You can listen to that if you wish. They have a petition to, well, just see the demand that is out there for Gabriel Knight 4 and to see how many people are interested in it. They have a new trailer out now. So the trailer is for two minutes. So basically, in two minutes, they say what their objectives are and what they hope to achieve um so and what i really like about this is that there's no demand or entitlement from them this is just to basically see what the demand is and then show it to activision and say uh look we just would like as fans to see jane jensen have the opportunity to finish this story because if you played gabriel yeah. Knight three you know that this ended on a cliffhanger and so we just, and Jane Jensen had intended to make Gabriel Knight 4. 
so that they just want to give the possibility, the opportunity to her and Robert Holmes to work on the game. So they're looking, hopefully, ideally for Activision to license the game or license the character, the name to Jane Jensen at some point. It's it's a tough ask because Activision are well known yeah. for holding on to, to IP rights. But if there is enough demand, they have made King's Quest, the new King's Quest game. They did license Gabriel Knight 1 out to uh, Jane Jensen in 2013, I believe. So there is a possibility, but we, you know, people just need to sign a petition. That's all. It doesn't cost yeah. you anything. Or no, it doesn't cost you anything. You just money. go on. It's just on uh, change.org. If you just search for Gabriel Knight 4, Resurrect the Shadow Hunter, exactly. or just put in Gabriel Knight for and, and share it please on social media too. Yes. Uh, because that's all the the organizers want is just to get the you know get the interest out and see the demand out there. That they've said there was no demands or they're not saying we're entitled to another game if uh, Jane Jensen doesn't want to make one. We just want to give her the opportunity to decide whether to continue with the. And all indications are she would like to if there is a. Uh, you know, strong interest in, which I believe there is. So, um, mm. so yeah. And then uh, finally in the news section, uh, I don't know if you guys read this, uh, John Walker, who I believe in, uh, is it Kotaku or Rock, Paper, Shotgun? Again, very organized. Rock, Paper, Shotgun. That's it, thank you. He's a co-founder of Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Yes. Uh, he is a games journalist. Uh, he is really into adventure games he wrote a retrospective article on zach mccracken which people might find interesting the basic gist of it is that he said he grew up playing the game that he he loved the game as a kid but then other people told like me him that, yeah like you thomas i have not played the game uh i probably won't play after reading the article i'll be honest <laughs> but basically he was saying that other people told him you know it's actually flawed so you should go back and see what you think he did and he said actually there are a number of things wrong with it so now he did mention things that were good about the game as well it wasn't a rant or anything but i you know from what i read of the article it's mainly how nostalgia can factor in and how we need to be aware of nostalgia not just with adventure games but with you know, different things through our childhood to just, uh, you know, have another look at things and be objective as well. Um, and I believe we'll probably be referencing this article later on in one of the reviews of the games later. But yeah, so... it's it's this, it's the same thing as with people saying, "Hey, there are no uh, good adventure games coming out at the moment." And I'm like, and and we all were like <sighs> flabbergasted as there, there are roll. more games coming out now than ever before they're just not being bankrolled by triple a studios but i don't think that's necessarily a bad idea because we are we are we thought maybe that the 80s and 90s were the golden age of adventure gaming i think this is the golden age of adventure gaming yeah or another golden age you you saw that tweet recently which was basically like the uh there are more point and click adventure games released in just the last few years alone than the entire golden age of the genre in the 90s yeah, absolutely. Yeah, someone. I yeah, I think I think we all uh, responded to that tweet. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, and uh, that is that is true. I mean, and also a lot of the games are good. It's uh, they're, you know, most yes. of the games are good. <laughs> yeah, mo- yeah, most of them. I can't remember the last time I played an actively bad adventure game. I don't know if you guys mentioned, believe you did, that Heaven's Vault didn't win an Aggie, and. I think that shows the quality of the adventure games that were released last year. Yes, exactly. That That's not being disparaging of Heaven's Vault. That's just exactly. saying there's just too many to choose from, you know. So, no, I think we are definitely living in a golden age. You know, it's great to talk about, you know, the adventure games released in the late 80s and you know, early to mid nineties. I love those games myself, but I think to say as well that other, oh, you know, I wish that it was like that back then. That there were no, the adventure games aren't what they used to. It's like no, now we have also a wide range of different types of games. You know, we have Papers Please, Her Story, Unavowed. Yeah, so, but what 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 the, the the important point of the the article was it, indeed the whole nostalgia thing because what happens with nostalgia is you only remember the good parts you forget the bad parts yeah and every game even beloved classics had some uh some parts of it that were not as fantastic as the rest of the game even a game like when i replayed days of the tentacle i had forgotten 60 percent of that game mm-hmm. i had only remembered a few things now i love the entire game still i mean it, it absolutely holds up 
but when I was reading the article, as someone who has played Zack McCracken back then on uh, Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, to give it its full name, on the, the good old Commodore 64, and loved it back then, I could totally see where he's coming from because um, mm. all of a sudden I did remember the incessant mazes that I had to get through and some of the weird puzzle choices, which is also really weird for Lucasfilm because they were... Uh, the company that did not have those illogical puzzles most of the time. But yeah, that's the stuff you, you've, you don't remember. I've, I remember the game as being a very, very fun, very weird point of click adventure game. And one of the few point of click adventure games that you had at that time, for me, it was the, uh, was the game I played after I played maniac mansion. So I, I hold it dear, not because it, uh, the game was, very good back then or whatever, but because it was one of the few point-and-click adventure games you had at that time that I couldn't mm, play and, on my Commodore. And this is this is the thing that, the you know, gaming's moved on. Adventure gaming's moved on. Narrative games have moved on. There's, you know, the design, the gameplay of those kind of games are actually helpful to the player, and it's not all about illogical puzzles. It is still a little bit all about illogical puzzles, but, you know, there, there's more of a... A demand to to have puzzles that make sense, to have a, a bigger narrative, to have choices. There's all these kind of extra things. So it's like, oh, yeah, but, not, not only puzzles that make sense, but also puzzles that uh, do are not in there to prolong the time you're playing. Uh, yeah, in that in that way, it, it it does have to make sense, of course, uh, because that was a thing that you saw a lot with Shara and and Lucasfilm that you were just running around uh, trying to solve puzzles just to, to prolong the game time. And that's not yeah. accepted anymore, ex especially since yeah. nowadays people really like to play shorter games. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I still regard uh, Zach McCracken highly because of because it was one of the few point-and-click adventure games back then. But I also think that that would be a great game that could use a remaster like uh, the Edna and Harvey uh, the breakout remaster I recently played, where they really improved the graphics, the gameplay, the dialogue, etc. And I think Zach McCracken could be a very interesting game to to get a remaster like that to, uh, yeah, to update it and maybe uh, make it a bit smoother. While uh, Sersha is trying to figure out the technical difficulties, we are going to move on to the to our yeah. reviews. For our first review, Laura, you played Eliza. Could you please tell us a bit yeah. more about it and what you thought about the game? I can do. So uh, Eliza, basically a visual novel, what that kind of entails in, in terms of it, you're basically reading through dialogue. It, there's not like a huge amount of interaction, but, you know, there's a lot of interesting story. Um, and what this is mainly about is um, uh, a piece of tech that's been developed. It's an AI counselling programme which uses uh, artificial intelligence to um, help people with mental health issues. Basically, uh, people have developed it. Uh, it's it's called uh, Eliza. That's where the title's from. Uh, and people go to it, and it, how it how it works is it collects um, you know people's thoughts, um, feelings, and it's used that in this big database to then help give advice and um, you know ideas about medication and where people should go next. Um, but the addition to that is um, the people developing it thought well. Um, people aren't going to trust like just speaking to a random computer. So there's a human ele element of it where there's a person, a proxy, who reads out what the AI is suggesting. So someone comes sit in the room, the proxy will read out these suggestions from the AI as they're going along. Um, and that's what you are in this story. You're, you are this proxy for Eliza. You come into these therapy sessions and you speak to these people and you give out advice from what the AI is saying. And so there's a little bit of tension of, you listening to these people's stories and having to convey what artificial intelligence is telling you to say, as opposed to what you as a human being might want to say. Um, so there's a little bit about that. And the story is basically you follow this woman called e Evelyn, who has a bit of a past with the software. And she was kind of involved in developing it. I won't go into too much details about that. Um, and the whole story is a very interesting kind of um, philosophical debate on technology and the role of technology in our lives you know what's private because further on you go you can ask some people if they want 
to let you and let Eliza, the AI, look into their emails to read their emails and and from that decide like where they're having issues and what's going on. So you can sort of really intrude into these people's lives if you if you want to. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's it's a it brings up a lot of interesting topics about things that's going on at the moment, like mental health, uh, technology, intrusion, privacy, um, and there are some choices to make. Ethics. So it's a very ethical game. Ethics, yeah. There's a lot of ethical about, you know, how far is too far. You know, if you could solve people's mental health problems, um, but it means that you also take all these people's data and, you know, what happens if another company then took over that company and would the data be safe? So it's kind of topics that's going on at the moment anyway, but like including with mental health, which it, I mean, I could see happening. I could see technology companies wanting to take on that challenge. And there are choices you get, you do make some choices along the way about which kind of side you side with. And there are different endings as well. What I did like about it was that it's, it's all told in chapters. So if you want to like find out the different endings, you don't have to replay the whole game. You can just like boot up the last chapter. And that's what I did. So I played all the endings some definitely better, like more fulfilling than others, I would say. Um, but yeah, I thought it was just, it was an interesting take on what's going on at the moment and where we could be maybe in about 10, 20 years or so. Uh, maybe even well five told. years. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, it's all voice acted, um, uh, which I, I thought they did a very good job of. Um, and yeah, I would have liked maybe just to, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but there there are some choices you could make later on. It would have been nice if you could make some of those a bit earlier on, I guess. But apart from that, it was a very well told story and just, I think, quite an interesting take on, on what might happen in the future. And one thing I would say is if you do suffer, if you do have some mental health issues, um, there are some slightly triggering things because you are obviously having to talk to people, well, characters in the game who have mental health problems and they go into quite a lot of detail. So I would say I wouldn't play if you were feeling a little bit depressed or anything because it is it can be a bit depressing. Um, I had to, I couldn't like do more than one or two chapters at a time because it, it, you know, it it plays with heavy themes, but that's the only thing I would say. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's, it, it took me about maybe four or five hours, I'd say, all in all. So not too long. And uh, it packs a lot into that time. Excellent. And please, if you are dealing with psychological issues, please talk to people about that. Yeah. Seek help. Uh, don't think it's weak or whatever. It is absolutely not weak. You are not alone. There are people who can help you. There are friends and family who can help you. So reach out to people and please don't Absolutely. do anything rash. Yeah, you're not. So alone. you would recommend the game then? I would. Um, as I said, maybe not for people who are, uh, are having issues at the moment, but it's it is it's a very interesting game and um, uh, maybe an unusual one in in taking that route. Really, that there's lots of different aspects in play, and I think they did really well in balancing it all. Because sometimes, you know, if it has that many themes it can feel a bit heavy or a bit complicated but no i think they did a, a really good job uh let's see if we have our normal host back now uh <laughs> after some technical issues Sersha, are you still with us testing testing can you hear me hey, yeah, yeah. Yep. okay oh. we have him back i have no idea what happened there my oh, yeah. sincere apologies no <laughs> yeah we, we're having Happy a back. weird technical issue to be the what a day it's been <laughs> we can blame the storm that we've been having Probably, yeah, I don't yeah. know if we can play in the summer, but um, but that, no, now that we have you back, uh, I'll 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 stay in my role as the host for a wee bit longer because I want to ask you. You were I, I saw you playing it a lot because you were playing Life is Strange, and could you tell us a bit about that because you were playing that a lot the the, the last week. Well, I I reviewed uh, mainly episode one two weeks ago, so I'll be brief. Um, I won't go into too much about the story or anything because i first of all i wouldn't give any spoilers and secondly i spoke about it in episode one uh, but i have finished the first season of life is strange as you mentioned uh overall i really enjoyed it i really liked uh you know the relationship between the two main characters max and chloe um the issues now it later on in episode four and five in particular it does get very dark. I know that you were speaking, Laura, about these issues um, with, uh, you know, with um, 
Eliza, but it, it Life is Strange, it also deals with te similar themes as well, but it does get really, really dark in episodes four and five. I don't want to give anything away, but I, I was not expecting it. You know, I thought it was going to be a game about two teenage girls who had to save, to save the world and, you know, go time traveling. And it is a little bit about that, but it also deals with some very serious topics that, again, uh, just people to be aware of. And it's it does get, you know, disturbing. And uh, now I do have to say as well, in episode four is a bit strange. Um, there, again, no spoilers, but there is a section which is disturbing and probably just as disturbing or even more disturbing than anything that I've seen in The Walking Dead, which again, I was not expecting, but it was very disturbing. I still think it was handled more or less, you know, sensitively. I know some people had issues with it, but I think that overall it was handled relatively well. You know, I'd say that um, it's a certainly brave uh, storytelling. And then with the disturbing section, then there is an emotional section, and then they go to a disco. <laughs> so remember Laura in episode yeah. four where they go to it. Now, they, they had been building up to this disco and then in this, well, it's called a Vortex Club, it's this nightclub from the school. They are looking for someone. It is urgent. It's, you know, life or death. But then, you know, they're looking for this person. But then in the middle of it, Max is also talking in detail about the love lives of the other characters. And it just seemed bit off that while there's this uh you know this urgent situation going on and then say oh and this girl she doesn't love me she loves this other guy and you know this teenage drama and i didn't really have an issue with it i just thought that maybe if you put that scene before the two other scenes it might have worked better um but no overall i have to say it was really well done episode five gets really weird <laughs> Uh, again, very strange. It goes through some very strange places. But again, I was always invested. I was always intrigued. I was always interested in the story. I think the acting by the for the main character is really, really good. You know, she really helps to sell everything she's going through. And, you know, and I, I really like the themes of the story as well. And now then I know people did have issues that, again, without giving any spoilers, that you do have to make decisions throughout the series, throughout all the episodes. And then at the end, there are choices you have to make. All I'll say is it does go a bit, a little bit Mass Effect 3, where you do have these choices to make at the end, no matter what decisions you made throughout the series. And so then, uh, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it. I think that probably this narrative and the storytelling in Telltale games is probably a little bit better, mm. but because there, some of the dialogue is a little bit cringy, you know, like with, yeah. you find out with the villain, it does become a pantomime kind of role, but it's still good. And, you know, I think with the gameplay, you know, I like some of the puzzles in the game, especially towards the end. Now, there is a stealth section which I didn't like too much, but again, it's very, it's very short. Um, so overall, I would definitely recommend that people check it out. Life is Strange. It's a season one that I played. Um, I was very emotionally invested in the game. I think the voice acting is great. The story overall is great. It looks really nice as well. Uh, some very high production values. And it's a game that really makes you think. So, um, But again, be warned that there are some topics, some things that happen in the game that I was not expecting. It does go deep. Um, but very, but I would definitely recommend it overall. I'm glad I play. I'm looking forward to be playing the prequel before the storm, and then Life is Strange season two over the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, that's Life is Strange season one. Excellent. Uh, so, Thomas, you've been doing such a great job as host. Um, you've you also played a game, I believe, correct? Yes, I recently played a game that came out, I think, two weeks ago, called The Blind Prophet. And uh, I would describe this game, um, the, the, the feeling it has as uh, The Witcher meets Supernatural in comic book form. And not that it, it plays like The Witcher or anything, but the, the main character, uh, Bartholomeus, he is the titular blind prophet. And he is uh, an apostle sent to, uh, to Earth to battle demons. He is sent by God. And he walks around, and he actually he kind of looks like the Witcher, you know, with the with the white hair, and he carries a huge sword, and he is basically a demon hunter. And the 
the first thing you you do when you arrive, you you literally arrive on a very small sailboat in the harbor, and the first thing you see is a girl being attacked by a huge man with glowing red eyes. So you have to save her, and then the story kicks off. It all takes place in a, um, uh, a non-existing town. Uh, it, it not, it's not a real town. And you are looking for for the big demons. You are looking for uh, Asmodeus, and you're looking for Satan. And you, you don't really know which demons uh, are in the town, but you do know that this town is overrun by it. Uh, the corruption uh, runs deep. And you're trying to figure out who they are so you can kill them and free this city from its corruption and its demons. And uh, it is a very much a point-and-click adventure game. As in, you walk around, you collect items, you talk to people, you try to solve puzzles. There are a few... Uh, the, the puzzles can be... Uh, sometimes are a bit like dexterity-based. As in, for instance, you have to pick the locks, pick the lock on a, on a door, and then you have to move the lock picks uh, at the right moment so you can pick the lock. So there are a bit of arcade-esque puzzles in there. Usually, I'm not overly a fan of that, but in this case, I really did not have that much trouble beating them. So uh, if I can beat those, then it, it should, everybody should be able to beat them. Uh, the story is the story is dark from the start because you're, you're hunting demons, and we're talking about demons that do uh, that, that have underage girls working in a sex industry that have uh yeah it's 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 really dark it's not um uh, it's not meant for kids this and no. uh, and it's all kinds of different uh, co- kind of corruption that uh that he's he's fighting um one of them has to do with the media another one has to do with uh capitalism that goes out of control because all these demons prey on these yeah vices that humans have uh, and and you, it's your job to find out where the big demons are and to take them out, and that's uh, a lot e- a lot easier said than done, and it takes you on a quite a compelling story. I, it took me about six hours to complete it. Uh, there were a few puzzles that were uh, a bit uh, challenging, but overall I could get through it uh, pretty pretty well. I had a lot of fun playing it. In fact, when it was over, uh, I was like, yeah, but. I want to hunt more demons. <laughs> I like uh, I, I like the whole idea of the and it looks and it sounds really good. Uh, it's really distinct in its look. It looks like a um, uh, like a comic book. Basically, the artwork is fantastic, uh, and the soundtrack is is the first thing that really stood out to me. It's really thumping modern soundtrack uh, with with songs in it and and yeah I, I really really like that uh, the score and the soundtrack in this uh, in this game now there is a bit of combat but uh, that is not real combat as in you are actually fighting something the moment you have to fight something you, like you have to initiate the fight and then in comic book form the fight plays out depending on how you set it up and if you did everything right uh, then the story continues after that so it's not like you have to start hitting your mouse or your keyboard in order to kill uh, although there is that is a wee bit like that at the end uh, something like that but in the rest of the game it just uh, you just have a cutscene that deals with it and uh, yeah I found it uh, quite the enjoyable game yeah, it it does sound it does sound very interesting. Yeah, the only downside I thought, um, and I, I'm I'm assuming they're going to fix that, is I did find a few errors in the in the text and one or two sentences that were not translated because I think the original game was in French, and I think that was missed by the developer. But I assume they will by now have noticed that and will fix that uh, whenever they uh, they can. But it did not take me out of the game or anything it's just i'm very i'm very i'm i'm an i've I've been an editor so i'm very in tune to (laughs) spelling mistakes and stuff like that i think that's fair enough though yeah no one thing that i would say to you know to there are any developers or writers now uh you know because i used to be an english teacher as well so i would spot uh you know some you know spelling mistakes as well it's you know always even if you're making a game in your first language, you're releasing it in English and it's your first language. And I know from experience, if I write any 
essays or reports, I always have someone look over it because I make there are mistakes as well in it, the things that I miss. So I'd say to all developers, even if your English is really good or English is your first language, if you can to get someone just to read over the text or multiple before releasing it. Yes, several people maybe, depending on how much text there is as well. It's uh, because it's you know it it is important and it can take you out of the game. Now I'm happy to hear in this instance in this game that you still really enjoy it. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, it is. I really like the the visual style of it. I haven't seen a trailer yet of it, but I from the screenshots it looks really really interesting. It, I love the um, you know the art style of it. Yeah, yeah, that's also what attracted me to it because uh, I wasn't I, this this game was not on my radar at all, and then all of a sudden it popped in my Steam uh, uh, in the suggestions from Steam. Wishly, yeah. And the first thing you notice is that very cool art style, which is uh, reminded me a bit of European uh, bande dessinée, you know, the European comic book style. Uh, and it is French, so that makes sense. Uh, and the whole game feels a bit like that. I think that's a, that's a very positive point. And Ars Gotia, uh, if I pronounce that correctly, uh, for a first game, is very good. And by the way, the Ars Goetia, if I remember it correctly, is uh, a book from Christian uh, from the Christian religion that um, explains who the demons are and what they do. So that's uh, a well apt named for this game. No, it sounds really interesting because, as you mentioned, uh, Witcher meets Supernatural. Now, I've never seen Supernatural. I know not yet, at least. But The Witcher, I'm a at least a TV series. I'm a big fan of. Read the books, and so it. I'm really curious. I'll have to. See if I can check it out. So, um, so okay. Thank you, Thomas. That was the Blind Prophet, and you can get that on Steam. Uh, don't know where else you can get it, but I'll include links later on. Then, Laura, you played a game as well. You played another game. Uh, I so did. You always seem to do. You always seem to play multiple games, which is great. <laughs> Yes, always. So you played Luna, I believe. Yes, and it's important to say it's Luna Shadow, the Shadow Dust, because I think there is another game already called Luna. But yeah, it's it's just come out, Luna, the Shadow Dust, uh, recently. You can get it on Steam. Um, and it's uh, it's an interesting game, this. I think if you see um, the, the visuals of it, you'll see what I mean. It's a very beautifully put together, uh, hand-drawn um computer game uh the, the graphics they remind me a little bit of th games like machinarium from amanita design the same kind of hand-drawn uh, 2d graphics you basically play a little boy who has um uh, arrived on this strange planet there's there's not much explanation given as to what's happened um and you come across this huge tower um which you have to basically try and get to the top of and the idea is you each room is a kind of different puzzle um and the puzzles play on the idea of kind of light and color um and you go from room to room climbing up this tower um quite early on you come across what I'd call like a kind of squishy little cat thing. It's like a fat little cat <laughs> uh, creature. Um, yeah, those. literally, it's just a little round cat um, who you kind of help out. And that then comes into play as a character um, who you can switch between. So you switch between this boy and, and the cat. And the cat actually becomes useful for some of the puzzles because some of the puzzles are um, have sort of timed elements. So you have to... Um, you know, switch quickly to the cat to get him to do something and then switch back. So there's a bit of that. The puzzles, as I said, kind of based around light and color. There's a, a really interesting one to do with the four seasons where you have to, you're sort of switching back and forth between the pair. Um, and yeah, the graphics, lovely. The sound is amazing as well. A really amazing, considering this is, it was a four person team that made this and it was, came through because of a Kickstarter. It's, um, it's amazing, you know, what, what they've made in terms of the, the, the graphics and the sound, the sound is kind of this beautiful orchestral score, which, um, certain things you unlock along the way, uh, with the puzzles, um, will kind of cause the music to soar up. Um, it's about a three hour um, game, I would say. It took me about three and a half hours. There isn't any dialogue or words, so it's all done through expressions. There's some short animated cutscenes as they travel up. A little bit confusing sometimes, the story as to what was going on. But I have to say, at the end, there was a very, there was a very heartbreaking moment with the story. So um, that, that kind of shone a, a bit more light 
are, I will say, on what was going on. Um, I, there are a couple of things that before that I was a bit like I don't quite understand what's going on, but you know I'm just I'm here for the puzzles. There's one puzzle near the end that is quite convoluted, but apart from that, they all felt that they made sense, and you know it it did take some lateral thinking, but the goal was obvious each time. So you know you kind of got through it, um, and yeah, I mean the the animations are great, the graphics are great, sound is brilliant. It's it's quite a fairly short game. I'd say sometimes. You know, the puzzles weren't, you know, the most fantastic puzzles I've ever done, but they were they were still really good. And I think enhanced just by these amazing visuals of, you know, like stained glass windows and, um, and you, you know, you kind of have to hop into these different worlds as the characters. So, yeah, a lot of thought obviously gone into how to combine the visuals with the puzzles as well, which I, I really enjoyed. And, you know, you've just got this cute little cat thing as well, which is just an extra fun element. I uh, particularly enjoyed this, like when you climb up a ladder, um, obviously as a human, you just climb up it normally, but the cat like hops up every rung, which was very cute. Um, I also enjoyed as the human, if you try and leave the room, a little speech bubble will come up um, about the cat as if the human's being like, well, I can't leave the cat. But if you're the cat, you can just leave the room because the cat doesn't care. <laughs> the cat's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm just leaving. Um, so I, there is a bit of dynamic. Uh, um, it would be nice actually to have more of that dynamic really with the pair. But, you know, it's a, it's a short game. It's a, it's a small team. I think what they've done with the game is really fantastic. And I'd definitely say check it out, even just for the visuals alone. They're, they're really... Uh, amazing and it's just you know it's it's an indie gem basically i would say it's 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 worth checking out if you've got a couple of hours nice yeah i remember i played the demo of the game at adventure x back in 2018 and yeah now i i think i got one of the puzzles and then i was like yes and then i went with another puzzle and i was really really stuck so one of the developers was there and he was helping me i think he he was trying to give me hints but I just wasn't getting it. And then mm. he said, okay, what you need to do is this. <laughs> so, and I would say but, for um, most of the puzzles, I mean, maybe because I also did play a couple of the beginning puzzles, but there weren't until like this final puzzle near the end where I did look up a walkthrough because I was a bit like, I really don't know what I'm doing here. The rest of them were very clear. Um, it takes a little, you know, you've got to play around with things, basically. It encourages right. you to like play around and just think things through and say, well, what if I did this? What would happen then? Um, there aren't really any hotspots or anything. So that that is, can be a bit tricky sometimes because you kind of miss maybe elements in the room you're supposed to be interacting with. But um, in general, there's not too many things. So you kind of get what you're doing. But I would say they've maybe made it slightly easier than what it was like when it was at Adventure X because I remember also struggling a little bit but it's not it's not completely easy there's still a bit of puzzling to go on but it's you know it, it's clear I think they made it a lot clearer as to what you're supposed to do and and that's good I remember it was it looked amazing when I played it you know when you see it in action and you play it, it you know what struck me was how nice it looked yeah. and as, as, you, as you mentioned I loved the uh, sidekicks as well I don't know if you ever played the whispered world which came out probably over 10 years ago at this stage because you also have a little sidekick kind of like that who changes shape and ah. this reminds this reminds me of, of that i haven't played luna yet but that's what it reminds me of but yeah no i'm i'm looking you know i'll have to see if i have time to check it out but i'm <laughs> glad to know that you enjoyed it yeah definitely uh, I, I, when i spoke to the developers as well just on that point of the sidekicks they also said uh, inspiration was you know kind of things like studio ghibli's um mm. spirited away and all that and you can see that in the design as well so if you're into that kind of thing i'd say definitely check it out okay so that was what is the name of the game again luna so it's luna um the shadow dust okay so thank you laura now the final game that we can discuss it's a little game that i don't know if many people have heard <laughs> about it <laughs> It's uh, Timbleweed Park. Ah, never. <laughs> by, What's that? Never heard of that. By up-and-coming first-time developer Ron mm -hmm. Gilbert. Who? Who? Uh, yeah, never heard of him. Is he family, um, for, family of Dave Gilbert? Hey. <laughs> Could be. I'm switching it around um, this time. Well, this is, uh, I, I imagine that most people who listen to this podcast have probably maybe played the game or at least heard of the game. It is, of course, uh, the latest game from Ron Gilbert, who, of course, made the first two Monkey Island games. And this game was originally announced back in 2014 by Kickstarter. 
and it was successful and it was released in 2017 and I had a chance to play it finally two years three years later and I finished it just last week and so now in the Kickstarter video Ron Gilbert and I believe David Fox who worked on Zach McCracken which we spoke about earlier on uh, they promised that this game would be a spiritual successor to Maniac Mansion, that it would be a game that was made in the, you know, the 21st century, in 20, you know, released in 2017, but it would look and feel like uh, one of the games that were an early LucasArts game from back in the 1980s. Uh, so did they succeed? Well, let's see. <laughs> um, so again, for people who, might, who haven't uh, played it, first of all, no spoilers, but just to set it up, you play initially as two FBI agents who are called to this very small town called Timbleweed Park. There has been what looks to be a murder. Uh, so the first thing you have to do is, well, investigate the dead body to find out if he has anything. And then playing around as the two characters, which you can swap at any time, mainly. Like Maniac Mansion, for example, you have to then explore the town of Timberweed Park and speak to the different characters who live in the town. So you have to so you speak to a sheriff and a coroner who look and sound very similar. And you also speak to uh, you know, a person who owns a store. And you also discover that there is or was a pillow factory, which is or it was the big business at, of the town. And the owner of this pill factory was a person named Chuck Edmund. So fans of Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion might understand, might know where the names come from. And so he plays these two FBI agents who have to investigate this murder initially. Now, very early on, we do kind of see that there, there is something else going on, that they may have other motives, which we don't know immediately. And we also get to play as a couple of other characters. We get to play as a character called Dolores Edmund, who is the niece of Chuck Edmund, the owner of this pillow factory. He wants her to take over from him uh, the pillow factory because she's really smart and really business savvy. But she wants to become uh, an adventure game developer. Mm, fancy that. That's a dead end industry. Not Nothing will ever come out of that, I'm sure. <laughs> And so you, one of the first puzzles you play as her um, is trying to apply for a job from Mucus Flem, which is more difficult than it than it sounds in this game. I really like that puzzle as well. It serves as an introduction to the character and kind of the type of puzzles that we see in this game. Another character you play is Ransom the Clown. And he is a very sweary individual. <laughs> he is an insult kind of comic and then you get to find out his backstory as well. Now, interestingly, all the insults, all the swears are beeped out. And I, I believe there is a DLC where you can buy a DLC and it, it removes all the beeps from the oh, swears. Oh, really? So you can hear exactly. I believe so. Now, I actually thought that the, the beeps were funny, <laughs> that you had to guess what the swear was. I think it's funnier. I think the beeping is funnier, but um, I guess if you do yeah. want to find out, maybe it's good that it's available. <laughs> I mean, it's curious, because then there there are other characters that literally tell him beep you. <laughs> yeah, that's and and yeah, I thought you know his character was was very funny as well. So you know, this the story again. That's the setup of the story. You find out more with these characters, and the town of Timberweed Park as well is its own character. I would say as well. So you have to explore this town, which is a relatively large area as well. And you can play, you can swap and uh, play as, uh, there's also another character who, uh, who play as, which I won't reveal because I think that would be kind of a spoiler, but mm, you get to play yeah. as them as well. And you get so there's to, five in all. Exactly. So five characters who you play as, as in all. And most of the time you can swap and choose play as any of the characters that you wish, bit like in Maniac Mansion. Uh, or Day of the Tentacle, even. And you can... So, again, it's for the puzzles, you need to sometimes use a different character to do something which will have an effect and then use another character uh, to uh, to then finally solve the puzzle. You uh, There are two modes. There is, I believe, an easy mode or a challenging mode where the challenging mode has more puzzles, I believe, or more 
well, obviously challenging puzzles. And that's the mode I played in. And I have to admit that it was very challenging. I think what is good is that there were no really illogical puzzles. You know, there was no puzzles like uh, we were talking about earlier, like the monkey wrench puzzle in Monkey Island, no goat puzzle like in Broken Sword, no puzzles like that. But I did find the puzzles to be difficult. So I admit I did use hints. I did use a walkthrough sometimes just to get myself on the right track because it's a non-linear game. And I did find myself wandering around aimlessly at times. Now, there one of the good things is that there is... Um, a to-do list for each of the characters and so you check off so you have objectives so you know what you need to do and so that helps a lot there is also a hint system where you need to call a number in the game and then they will can give you hints and now i think that was useful if a little bit tedious at times because it takes a long time to you know dial the number and then choose the topics again and again so you know i decided to use just hints on online when i got really stuck and um, now overall, I was intrigued by the story. I wanted to know what happened. And it's, it's a long game as well. I believe it can take anything between 8 and 16 hours. It took me about 10 hours to, to finish. I thought the voice acting was really good from all of the characters. There was no character that uh, gave a bad or poor performance. I thought they all, uh, you know, they all performs you know really well according to their characters uh you know the sheriff and the coroner who sound <laughs> exactly the same except they have a certain way of speaking so the sheriff would finish every sentence with a reno and the coroner would finish with uh, a who so any a who uh, let's go a reno and um i thought that was uh, well done i love the music as well kind of like a jazzy uh, soundtrack and it, it's you know the, the theme the sound the music was kind of catchy um, as well, that I was humming along as I was playing. The graphics, I thought, look really, really nice. So it looks kind of what they were saying, like a game in the 80s, but obviously looks like with graphic from adventure games nowadays. So you might think it looks like um, you know a game from back then, but obviously the graphics are better. They're not just pixels. They're very detailed, very clear, very deep. And also what I liked is if you double-click, you can speed up the characters walking, that it doesn't take you that long to go from screen to screen. I love that feature in, in modern games. I love it. Oh, I know. Thank yes, goodness for that, it hey? take that long. <laughs> and as you're saying, I, I agree. I think they nailed it with the graphics. I think it's it's updated, but it's still got that uh, traditional mm. adventure game feel. I mean, when you, you know, the sunsets and things like that in that game, it just, it just makes mm, the whole absolutely. thing feel way more atmospheric yep. absolutely no the 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 atmosphere they they nail i thought without giving yeah. anything away a, a big talking point for people who've played them will we part is its ending so i'd just be interested yeah, without giving I, anything I, away your thoughts i never made it. it to the i never made it to the end so. i know i know we will not spoil I the have ending. To we won't spoil it time. don't worry we won't spoil it don't worry i won't give any specifics um i because I know Thomas, you haven't finished it. We will probably do a spoiler special at some point, but you know, I won't give any specific. I might have to play it again to remind myself. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could. I didn't really mind the ending so much. I I could kind of see something like it coming. You know, I, there are hints throughout the game because I know some people said it was very shocking. I found you know it's like oh this is where they're going. It's interesting. Now my issue was that. There were some there were some plots some subplots that they that they ended quite well that they tied up the loose ends quite well, but then there were other subplots which they introduced at least earlier on. But then it could be me as well. But they seem to have just forgotten about her, just left. Uh, and sure. I was like, Wait, what, what happened with this thing that was introduced earlier on? Are we not going to find out what the deal was with that? But no, I didn't mind it. I mean, it could be. You know, it could be a bit meh, but, you know, some people either love it or hate it. I was kind of in the middle. Um, but, yeah, it's an ending by Ron Gilbert, which is controversial and divisive. <laughs> Who would have thought that? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think I agree. I actually, I quite enjoyed the ending. I, I thought it was, you know, quite refreshing, but I can understand equally yes. um, why some people maybe had a bit of a, a, a reaction to it. Um, but and I also agree what you were saying about, you know, the, the characters and where their stories went. Some of them maybe not tied up as much as others. I do feel it, d it did start to feel a bit rushed near the end, maybe. Yes. 
And actually, now it's good to mention that I overall I did really enjoy it. I did think it's a well-made game, a well-designed game, but I did have some issues with it. That uh, you know, for some people, these may be minimal or not issues at all. But I just for you know to be completely fair, I do think I need to mention them, and I do appreciate that I'm probably in the minority. So, and I'm, again, I am not. It's not a rant or anything. I did enjoy this game overall, but I do have to mention these things. Uh, you can play as different characters, which I thought was really good at any time. So if you're stuck in a puzzle with one character, you can then go to another character, which I thought was was good. But I don't know how you felt, Laura or Thomas, about this. But you know when you can talk to the NPCs, but the playable characters, you cannot get them to talk to each other because I kept because the interface is like is using the scum interface. So you've talked to, you have give, you have walked to, and and that. And you can give items uh, to another main playable character, but you cannot get them to talk to one another. And I just felt that that was weird. And that did take me out of the game a little bit. It's not a major issue, but I did think that surely the two FBI agents at least would be talking to each other about the case and about the town what's going on. But they just stand there and they don't talk to each other, which I found weird. And I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity because this could have served to help to... Uh, you know, give us more details about the characters, their backgrounds, their personalities, how they interact with each other. And I think it was a missed opportunity, you know, in that regard. Also, it could have used, been used as a kind of hint system as well. Having So if you're stuck with one character, they could have had, it's set in 1987, forgot to mention that, they could have had a walkie-talkie where they talked to each other and said, oh, I don't know what to do next. And another character could have said, well, have you tried talking to this person or going here? Something like that, you know, I think. Because if you compare it to Unavowed, for example, now, you know, mm. Unavowed, which similar, which you play as one character, but you have multiple characters who you can talk to. And, you know, at all times, you can see the personalities of each character are very clearly defined in that game. And that's helped through the dialogue and through talking to them. But we don't get that here. And it's the same with Dolores and Ransom the Clown, that it's just kind of strange that you give objects to other characters, but they just don't talk to each other. Now, I know for a lot of people this mightn't be an issue, uh, but I just thought that it was strange. And especially if a game like Unavowed can do it, I thought, especially when we know it's Ron Gilbert, we know how good he is with dialogue, (laughs) that I was like, I wanted to see these characters talk to each other more and see what funny or interesting dialogue he he could have. Um, I don't know, first of all, what's your thoughts on that? Did that bother you or did you think it's an issue at all? No, I'll be honest. It's not something I actually really noticed. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be brutally honest. Uh, I didn't really notice that. As I didn't really try and do that that much. So it didn't really bring me out of the game. I think what maybe brought me out was just the, I think in the round the middle mark, there's a lot of wandering around. There's a lot of switching mm. between characters quite a lot. Where, and it feels a little bit, unnecessary it feels like they were trying to add things into the game to make it lengthier that maybe didn't need to be in there that there was a feeling of that i also feel like the amount of in jokes did get a bit tedious yeah yeah but um as as for what you're saying i'll be honest it, it didn't that i didn't notice that as much but now you mention it i mean it, yeah that 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 is kind of a weird element <laughs> yeah i was i was going to to mention that the amount of in jokes and references as well. Now, I guess it's important to say that in jokes and references have been around for a very long time. Even the early LucasArts and Sierra games had them. Uh, you know, LucasArts games, they referenced each other's games all the time, and Sierra as well. Leader Suit Larry 3, the ending of the game, spoiler for a game that was released over 30 years ago, but and at the end of that game, you go through scenes from each of the other quest games so you go through king's quest and space quest you meet the two guys from andromeda in leisure suit larry so it's kind of like jokingly referencing uh the other games from sierra and so i didn't have a problem with that but i felt that especially beginning of the game the amount of in jokes um the amount of in jokes in the game was a bit overwhelming and you know i think that Sometimes less is more. I think that they could have used a bit less in jokes because it felt like at times they didn't have enough confidence in their own game, which is a shame because we know they're really talented developers and writers. So, you know, now the second part of the game, it is important to say that they, 
I think once the story really starts, they do, um, you know, there's less kind of references and in-jokes and they focus more on the plot and the dialogue and the story, which I did like towards the end. Um, um, also, the next thing I just wanted to say very briefly is, again, going on about the, the dialogue, I liked um, the characters, Dolores and Ransom, but I didn't really care for the two main FBI agents. We didn't know too much about them. And part of the problem uh, is, I think, that you, whenever you interact with a hotspot or whenever you speak to another character as either one or two agents, they give the exact same response. Yeah. They've gone to the bother of getting two different voice actors, but then personality-wise, they're both nearly the same. And I again, I just... I didn't understand why they just wouldn't have them give, you know, try to, you know, because you could have done something different. You could have had, um, you know, one character be, you know, more blunt, more direct, more intimidating, maybe, whereas another character was more friendly, more amiable. You know, you could have done something like that, give different, you know, different ways of maybe getting information. And I thought it's another missed opportunity because with Dolores and Ransom the Clown, they do for the most part have different dialogue options. So I wasn't sure why they had that for uh, for that. I think um, that's fair enough. Um, because I, I think because, like you say, Ransom is so colourful yeah. and fun, and Dolores is you know an interesting character, and then those two are kind of interchangeable. Really, no one hmm. would call those particularly standout characters. I think, and nothing to do with the voice acting. It's just more that's the dialogue they've been given. Yeah, exactly. That they're kind of exactly the same yep but, yep um, which again you know surprising because like, we know what ron gilbert is capable of and you know david fox as well and so we you know it's just i think another missed opportunity that could have elevated this this game to to a classic because everything else is there but these definitely small issues i have to be honest they did kind of strike the game down a little bit for me now i still really like the game i still recommend it um, but, you know, unfortunately, I, I think it, it was, you know, kind of disappointing with these aspects as well. But I did like, you know, nearly everything else about it. You know, it's, uh, you know the story overall I did like, and the voice acting was really good, and the graphics and everything. But just these small issues that I I just didn't really understand uh, as well. Uh, Thomas, I'm just I'm curious if you if you have any opinion from what you've played so far at Timberweed Park. Well... What I've played so far, I really enjoyed. I I got to the the part with uh, what was it, Dolores? No, what was her name? I've it's been I played Dolores it. Edmund. Yeah, I played it on my iPad. I think uh, early two thousand eighteen. So it's been a while, and I think I got maybe a, a third done by the by the sound of this. And I remember the one of the last things I did was in a hotel. That's the last thing I remember. I really have to replay. Play. I I bought it on uh, on PC. Yeah, no, I definitely recommend to, that you play it. I did like it, but I I don't know if I now if even if this were a first time developer, I'd still have the same issues. You know, it's not because yeah, of course Gilbert that I put him to a higher standard. That you know, because I know that also there are a lot of people which you know, Laura, you mentioned that this issue with the talk to feature that didn't bother you at all, and a lot of people are the same. A lot of people love the game. A lot of game critics. Uh, really enjoyed it, and a lot of people online. When people ask for a game to be record, you know, an adventure game to play, first game they mention is Timbleweed Park. So a lot of people mm. genuinely really like this game. So yeah, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still, had, I still had some issues with it. I just, mm. I think uh, it was a good game. It's a really well made game. Really looks amazing, and it is, it's a big game. Like you said, there's a lot. Mm, there's a, a about game. nine nine different chapters. So they, they give you, you know, your bang for your buck. I think it just kind of lost its way a little bit, and maybe would have liked it to have just been a bit tighter, a bit shorter, but just a bit more, you know, you know, exciting. Maybe a bit less flab. Um, but I, I actually enjoyed the ending, and um, I wouldn't mind playing it again. Yeah, I thought the second part, the second section, um, you know, I think once it, the plot got going, that it did actually improve. I know you're saying in the middle, you know, that there was a bit of flab, but I think once it got towards the end, it, that's when it got really good, when it got better, when it started. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And also, without giving any spoilers, but 
do you find it weird how this game is a murder mystery where they didn't really care about the murder? You know, the characters. Yeah, really I guess care. that was that was a little bit of the in joke, isn't it? Comedy, that's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a joke around that. Like, why, why aren't they bothered? But um, yeah, I mean, there's sort of people called kind of Twin Peaks elements. I wish there was even more kind of Twin Peak element because you know mm. I lo- I love that show. But um, yeah, I guess as you say, it's more of a comedy than a, a drama, mm. really, isn't it? Exactly. It felt more like Night Vale meets Twin Peaks. And but as I said, the, the atmosphere I really liked as well. There, there are still, you know, speaking of references in jokes, there are some that I thought were very funny. There's some good visual gags there as well. Uh, that's, you know, some that if you blink, you, you miss them. And even some of the references, um, you know, I thought were funny as well. But, you know, there's one, you know, Sierra reference, which, uh, you know, he just, they just mentioned that, you know, Sierra games, you die a lot, but you know, it's, we've already had that joke 30 years ago in Monkey Island. Yeah, yeah. But overall, I would definitely recommend it. I definitely, you know, overall, I liked it. I would say it's a, you know, solid, enjoyable game. I don't think it's a classic. Yeah, um, I'd agree I with that. It, I wouldn't rate it as highly as, say, the games that were released last year, you know, the year after this game was released, Unavowed or Oprah Din. I think those are genuine, bona fide classics. But it's good to have Ron Gilbert and David Fox make adventure games again. And I would love for them to continue to make more adventure games. So um, No, definitely. So I do I'm not sure if they will. It sounds like they that was their last hurrah, but fingers crossed, I I agree. I'd love them maybe just to make a short like a one hour one, you know, that it doesn't need to be this yeah, huge. I feel like they felt they had something to prove, so they mm. went out and made this huge fifteen hour game, which is great. Obviously, I'm not complaining, but why not just, you know, stick to something pure and simple and um, in the words of hearsay, and um, yeah, make make a, a one hour like really tight adventure game that that would be great as well. But I I don't know. I'm not sure if that. I think that might be in their last hurrah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, curious to to see. But I'm sure we'll be discussing this game in more detail in a spoiler special. Hopefully, once uh, Thomas can get a chance to play it. Yeah. So that is Timbleweed Park. So thank you, Laura and Thomas. I think that I think is Thomas is dead. This. But yes. I, I think his microphone is not dead, actually dead. He's still alive. No, I think he's still alive, but he'll uh, sign. Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, no, so that is it. Apologies in advance for any technical issues. Hopefully, it's not too noticeable. So, uh, do you know what game you'll be playing next, Laura? I'm going to look into Hypnospace Outlaw. Ooh, interesting. I met the developer in Toronto. He was there giving Did you. Talk. Uh, is it Xavier Zalev- Nelson? I think he's right. A really funny guy. Really yeah. fun. I'm really interested. <laughs> I've played about ten minutes of it, and it seems like a really interesting game. So yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll be yeah. interested to see wh- where that goes, really, and uh, yeah, maybe find out a bit more about what, what the developer said to you. Yeah, cool. Looking forward to hearing that. I will be reviewing Alpha Polaris, which is. A game that was released back in 2011, but has been just made free on Steam. Uh, it is a game set in Greenland in a research station there and kind of a horror mystery thriller. So I'll be speaking more about that. So uh, that'll be in two weeks. And next week, my guest will be Julia Minamata, who will be talking about her upcoming game, The Crimson Diamond. So that's a really interesting interview. Uh, that interview will sh- should hopefully be up now. We're pretty soon on Patreon for Patreon supporters. Thank you again uh, for uh, for your support, for helping keep the podcast running. Uh, you can also hear some spoiler specials that I did with uh, the developers of Whispers of a Machine and with Scratches, and there'll be more coming soon for the Patreon supporters to thank you for your support. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so that is... That is it from me, and that is it from Laura, and that's it from from Thomas. Bye. Until next time. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you 
our Vetri Game developer or Vetri Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it. And you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com. So until next time, thank you.